0: We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Moving Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Do I need to even teach this today? I mean, is this, should we even do it? Our topic for discussion today is the would-be disciple. Say that with me: the would-be disciple. The passage of scripture we just read um, deals with three men that I, that I like to call or label the would-be disciples. Um, they all wanted to follow Jesus. They all wanted to go deeper in Jesus and get to know Jesus on a much deeper level. But when it came time to be a disciple, um, all of them tried to negotiate the terms and the conditions of what it cost. One thing that I've learned About the kingdom of God is that when it comes to following Christ, when it comes to being a disciple, when it comes to giving your life to God, it costs what it costs. And I found out in my own life that it's not up for negotiation. The reason why discipleship um, costs what it costs is because the terms and the conditions of your your salvation, which we have all received for free, were not negotiable i say that again because I want you to be able to connect the dots. The reason why discipleship costs for the cost and there is no negotiation is because the, the, the cost of your salvation was not negotiable. He, Jesus could not negotiate the cost of salvation for you. You remember when, when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane um, and he prayed the same prayer three times, if it be possible. Let this cup pass from me. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And a third time he says to to, to God, his father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. What Jesus was trying to do was to negotiate the cost of salvation for you and I. And God comes back to Jesus in the same garden and he he says to his only begotten son, I love you, but I love them. And it costs what it costs. God is, God's goal with you is not just your salvation, but your discipleship. Say that again. God's goal with you is not just your salvation, it's your discipleship. He saved you so he could use you. He he saved you so he could use you. he, you he, He put you in another pocket so he could use you. That took me someplace when I, when I read that, that he, he saved me so he could use me. He kept me, he, he pulled me out of Maori Clay. He pulled me out of the pit that I was in. He got me out of the mess that I put myself into. He got me out of that crazy family that I was in. He got me out of that dumb relationship that I was in. He saved me so he could use me. Somebody shout, he saved me. You save things that you have a purpose for later. Is, is that landing on you? You, you? you save a thing that you want to use later. You know, it was funny, me, me and my, my wife would go out to dinner, um, and, and she's not a big eater. She likes to eat, but she's not a big eater. And oftentimes she'll eat half of her food, and she says to herself, this is really good, but I'm going to save some for later. This, I, I, I know that I'm going to want this. Listen to me, y'all. I know that I'm going to want this a little later. I'm going to have a purpose for this a little later. This thing that I'm saving is going to itch a scratch that I have a little later. Yes. God saved you because he has a purpose for you. He has a job for you to do. He didn't save you just to save you. He didn't give his one and only begotten son just so you could sit in a pew. He saved you for discipleship. Come on. He, just, he, he, he saved you so he could use you purpose so now we sit in this the, the sixth week of this series green eggs and ham have the green eggs and ham series been good yeah. that wasn't encouraging yeah. <laughs> appreciate it son i appreciate it a lot. we sit in in the sixth week of this this series and we got a week or two left um but I feel even though that we know more than we did before, many of us in the room are still trying to negotiate the terms. We, we, we don't want to pay what it costs. The way that we're approaching discipleship, and, and, and I know I'm talking to you, the way that we approach discipleship is the way that I, I approach buying a new car. I am the worst person to try to sell a car to. Seriously, like, listen, I'm not playing no games with you, sir. We're not going to sit here and you're going to tell me about every bell and whistle. I could care less. What does it cost? And then once you tell me what it costs, mm-mm, can't pay that price. I know what the sticker says. You can do better. I know you can wiggle two or $3,000 up, and I start to talk as if I know a few things about buying a car. You know I'm like? I've been there before. Like, I know the sticker price is not what you pay for, sir, and there's some margin in it that you can give me, so I want that margin. And if you don't give me that margin, I'm walking out today. That is the kind of stuff I do when I show up to buy a car. Listen, I am, such, I am, so, I, 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 I am so aggravated by salespeople. Like, don't sell me. Vanessa knows this because she sells houses and stuff. Have you ever had a person show up to a, to a closing and walk out of a closing because, because the, the interest rate wasn't right? No. It don't happen. But Pastor Wanzell did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. That's my wife. I know you can fix that. I'm not paying that. And that is what we do to God. Oh, wow. come on, come on. God, I know that there's some wiggle room in this. You don't mean for me to walk away from every. You don't mean for me to walk away from this relationship that I'm in. You know, I know you want me to walk away from that, but you don't want me to walk away from this. You know, you, you, you want me to follow you, but you don't mean with my whole heart, do you? Yes, I mean everything. Here's the reason why. Wow, wow. Because when my son tried to wiggle out of it, I ain't let him. Wow. So look at your neighbor and say, it costs what it costs. No, no, look at somebody else and shout, it costs what it costs. What makes you think that I'm going to allow you to wiggle out of this? And I told my son, he had to stand there and take it like a G. Listen, that thing was so heavy on Jesus. Jesus wanted to get at that thing so bad, he started to sweat drops of blood, y'all. I want you to understand. Listen to me, y'all. Only thing you're doing by trying to negotiate with God is frustrate yourself. Deion Sanders is making it into almost every sermon as of late. <laughs> just, but he's been he's been saying this thing lately. He's been saying this thing. I'm not changing. I ain't changing he was specifically talking about this kid that wasn't doing necessarily what he had to do and he was saying I know he's good but I ain't changing my expectations are my expectations and if he does not want to be here there's a transfer portal that he can hit God is saying to us today I'm not changing I didn't change in the garden of Gethsemane I'm not changing in 2023 I'm not changing I want to talk quickly because I've been up here too long already about three reasons why I believe that we are still negotiating the terms of discipleship. Let's go to verse uh, 57. Are you there? Good. Um, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Point number one is this. It's not comfortable. Say that with me. It's not comfortable. I would be a disciple, Pastor Wanzel, but it's not comfortable. In the day that this text took place, A rabbi with Jesus' status and popularity would have been treated like a rock star. Um, He would have eaten the best foods. um, He would have had certain fringe fringe benefits. um, And he and his disciples would have lived a comfortable life. But Jesus says to this man up front um, that I'm not that type of rabbi. As a matter of fact, I have no place to lay my head. What Jesus was saying is that I'm a homeless rabbi. Like, I don't have all those, 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 those creature comforts. I don't have those. Um, and he says to him, So, so if, if you're thinking about making a lifelong decision to follow me, please understand that I am going, listen to me, that I'm going to lead you through some very uncomfortable places at times. You say you want to be a disciple of mine, that's cool, and I, I'm down with you, but I, I got to be up front with you because I'm not a salesman. I'm letting you know that, 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 that this thing gets very uncomfortable. Sometimes. You'd be amazed at the number of people who have given their life to God because they thought that he was going to make their life more comfortable. I just call somebody out and it's okay. You, they, they thought that he was going to be a bill-paying God, make their life more comfortable. They thought that he was going to find my future spouse kind of God and make my relationship situation more comfortable. They thought that he was going to be a build me a house kind of God, you know, to make sure I live a little bit more lavishly. And when they got into the relationship with God and found out that he was not that kind of God, that at times he would lead you into some uncomfortable places, they turned and walked away from him and then pointed back at him and blamed him for the failure in the relationship. The funny thing is, God is like I never promised that. I never said those words. But what I did say was come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He promises rest. Somebody shout rest. You don't va- oh gosh, y'all. You, you 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 don't understand the value of rest until you get real tired. Listen, life can start pulling you and dragging you and turning you and poking you and pushing you all sorts of kinds of ways. And you would just say, if I could just get one moment to myself, if I could just get a little bit of rest. But, but, but God says, listen to me. If you come to me, if you're weary and you're burdened, I will give you rest. I'm not promising comfort, Cody. <laughs> Promise rest. It's Matthew 11:28. Watch this. Listen, out there. I got it on the screen for you. I want to give you some more of this. Got it? Good. Watch what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am a gentle and, hum- and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Watch verse 30. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Wait, Pastor Wanda. When I come follow Jesus, I still got to carry a burden? I'm going to read that again. He says, um, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, you still got to carry a burden. I'm not promising comfort. Mm -hmm. But watch what he says. He says, my yoke is easy. That's going to make me talk more than I want to talk. The word easy is the Greek word krestos, and it means well fit. He says, I'm going to put things on you that fit you. You can, listen to me. I'm going to put things on that fit you. And then my burden is going to be light. What he is saying here is that life with me is going to be exponentially better. Yeah, come on, come on. But I'm not promising you comfort. I promise you better. And I'm going to give you a load that's going to allow you to walk into your purpose and your destiny. Because it's not going to be so heavy on you and dragging you down. It's going to be light enough so you can walk into your future. God says, I never promised comfort. I promised you rest. Is there anybody in the building that just need a rest? You see, I, I, I want you to stop misappropriating who God is to you. You want him to pay your telephone bill, you want him to pay your cell phone bill, you, know, you want him to pay all this, but that's, that's not who he is. He says, I give you rest. That's not resonating with some of y'all because y'all ain't, been, y'all ain't had enough life yet. Listen, life will get at you so that if you could just find a moment in your car, in your garage. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and tell him, keep living. Yeah, 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 keep living. You'll be looking for rest. But watch what he says. He says, come to me. All who are weary and burdened and I, God, will give you rest. That's a promise. So we look at God with all this confusion when we don't find comfort. Check this out. Here's what I learned about comfort you can get comfortable with some ugly stuff. You ever get comfortable in a relationship with somebody you know? You ever get comfortable in a routine of showing up at the bar every, every day at like 5 o'clock because you're just trying to find something to comfort you? You ever get comfortable spending your last dime on a bag of weeds just so you can find a little comfort? If I'm talking about you, I don't mean nothing. I don't know your business. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What I'm trying to tell you is that comfort is overrated. overrated. But we hold God accountable when we're not comfortable. I wish it was just a little more comfortable for me. I thought it was going to be different. He's, oh man, he's not the, he will comfort you. He's a comforter. But he promises rest. I played football in college. I know it don't look like it anymore, but I did. And I remember there were some days, I don't know what hair was up my coach's butt, but he would make us do up-downs, like during practice. Like we got like 15, what's about 15 periods in the practice, right? We had like 15 periods in the practice, like we're in the beginning of the practice, and he got us doing up-downs. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm going up and up, please, Lord, just give us a little rest because I got so much more to do. You Ever wake up in the morning, you already tired? Like, you just slept for eight hours, and you wake up in the morning, you already tired. You get out of bed, (laughs) man. You just slept for eight hours, you in a comfortable position. But God says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's my promise. So, stop getting mad with me when it gets uncomfortable. I'm expecting you you to still serve me when that bank account goes negative. Oh, I'm going to make it even better, Cody. I'm going to expect you to still tithe after the bank account went negative last week because you thought you tithed. Because we blame it on the tithe, right? The account gets a little low. Oh, I shouldn't have gave that money last week. I'm talking as real as I can talk with y'all. Listen to me. He is going to lead you through some very uncomfortable situations because following God is not about comfort. It's about him giving you rest. I got to push. I'm trying to get you to, somebody else, sacrifice. Child sacrifice. I'm trying to get you to sacrifice this idea of your need for comfort from God. Because there are some days that you'll pray and you'll feel the same way when you get up off your knees. So for most of us, we stopped praying in that moment. It didn't do nothing, Pastor Wonzo. I've been praying and I don't see a difference. But following God is not about comfort, y'all. Because he's going to lead you through some very uncomfortable, some difficult places. Listen to me, y'all. This past year, two years, three years has been some of the most difficult years of my life and I've not once wavered on who God is to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I recall leaving my mother at, at the hospital when she had passed away and I walk out and I, I get in the car with Tina and we drive back home and, and, and I, had, I told her I got to go back in the house and I got to pray. Not because I needed comfort, but I was going to need rest for what was coming. Because grief will take you places that you ain't never thought you could go. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? It it, it, it is not about what he does in that moment. It's about what he's going to do. Let's work. Are you learning anything? Let's go to uh, 59. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Point number two is let me finish first. <clears throat> I would be a disciple. But let me finish first. I'm teaching way better than y'all responded today. Jesus' response can seem a little insensitive without proper context. So let's unpack this a bit. Theologians agree that this man wasn't talking about going to a funeral. Uh, He was talking about the future death of his father. Say that again. This man wasn't saying, hey, I need to go bury my father. He was saying that um, the the, the process of my father passing away has started. So he was talking about the future death of his father that was up and coming, which meant for this man that um, he had to go get his father's affairs in order. He had to go make sure that the estate was all good, which also meant that he was in in line for an inheritance. So what this man says to Jesus, really says to Jesus, first, I want to follow you, Jesus, but first, let me go secure my bag. How many times have you said to God, God, I love you and I'm going to serve you? But first, let me finish. Is there anybody bold enough in the room to admit, just by a show of hands, I've said a time and two, first, Lord, let me finish. Let me finish chasing my dreams. And I'll come serve you, Lord. <laughs> let me finish living my best life. I'll serve you. Let me finish this party phase that I'm in, and then I'll come serve you. Somebody shall let, let me finish. Let me finish this relationship that I'm in. I'll serve you. Somebody shall first let me finish. So it gets deeper. Shout culture. culture. <clears throat> the Jewish culture of that day, hear me now. The Jewish culture of that day had wrongly taught this man that God was okay with being second place as long as it was a good excuse. The, culture of that, the Jewish culture of that day had taught this man that it was okay yeah. for God to be in second place as long as it was a good enough excuse. It was was considered to be scandalous to allow your father to be unburied for any length of time. And because of the priority that they placed on burying a father, everything paused. And burying your father and taking care of his estate took precedence over everything, any and everything. Specifically, one of one of the narratives I read. Specifically, um, we we didn't do any more Passover. If 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 dad was getting ready to die, I didn't I didn't take part in Passover. If dad was getting ready to die, I didn't take part in circumcision. If dad was getting ready to die, I didn't go to the to the temple anymore and, and, and hear the reading of the Torah, which was the Bible of that day. I didn't go, I didn't go hear the reading of the Torah. Everything paused. Specifically the religious things that were associated with the belief that you said that you had. God automatically took second place, back row to something in his life. And I wonder, what's God playing second place to in your life? So check this out. The man comes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, I'll follow you. And he he responds to Jesus and says um, what culture had been teaching him, right? He shows up and says, well, 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 Jesus, um, I'm going to follow you, but first let me go bury my dad. You know, you understand Jesus. You get that. You know, that's culture. That's what culture has taught us. That, you know, you'll take a back seat to what I got going on as long as it's important enough. So I'm just telling you, Jesus, that I'll come serve you, but let me first secure this bag. And I promise I'm going to come serve you. So Jesus says, Oh, we playing stupid today. That's what, that's what we're doing. He says, Uh oh, okay. Um, no, I don't do that. Mm. He says, Listen to me, you either gonna have to choose culture or the kingdom. That oh. the dead bury the dead, the culture. Mm. But you, since you come in contact with me and since you know me, you gonna proclaim the good news of the gospel. Mm. He says to the man, I don't care what culture says. You're going to have to choose it or the kingdom. And I came to tell somebody today, listen to me, you've been allowing culture to navigate your entire life, and you've been putting God on the back burner because you feel what you got going on is good enough for God to wait. But what I'm telling you today is that God doesn't play second place for anybody. The last time I checked the the, the book, (laughs) the Bible starts with, in the beginning... Oh, y'all missed that. You need to go read the book of Genesis. In in the beginning, in the beginning, y'all not doing it good enough. In the beginning, that meant there was nothing before him. So what makes you think that God is going to play second place to something he created? What makes you think that? God got to play something. Oh, gosh. He got to play second place to something he blessed you with. Come on, come on. Come on. I, I, God, I so we sit up on Sunday morning. God, I thank you for blessing me with this job, but I'm not going to be here next week. <laughs> God, I thank you for this increase, but you know what? That type's starting to look real big and I don't know if I can afford to give it. Come on, real big. Yeah. What areas in your life is God having to wait? First, let me finish my career, God. First, let me get my family straight, and I'll be back. Jordan, you did a good job offering today, and, and, and it was real good, and it resonated with me. But first, let me make sure I get my finances right, and then I'll give. God doesn't play second to anyone or anything. There is no God above him. There is nobody that sits beside him. But we feel okay. We feel justified because we think it's a good enough excuse. I'm trying to get you to understand today that you find yourself in a very difficult space with God because you keep putting them second. You're in this contentious relationship a relationship that's supposed to be harmonious. But your relationship with God is very contentious because you feel shame when you show up here on a Sunday morning because you ain't been here in a month. And check me out. Listen to me, y'all. This is the place where you should feel loved. But because you put him second for three weeks, can I mess with you for a second? We put God after our outfit we're going to wear to church. We are in no space to worship because we just fought ourselves into this dress. Well. I'm just trying to get you to see how often we allow God to play second place and how easy it is for us to put him in second place. Let's get this third one and I'm done. Let's go to verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Third and final point for today is the phrase, I can't let it go. I would be a disciple, but I can't let it go. So this third and and final would be disciple affirms that he wants to follow Jesus, but it is almost as if he, 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 he made the declaration too quick. He says to Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you. And at the same time, he says, but I want to go back. With his mouth, he declared that he wanted to follow Jesus, but in his heart, he couldn't let it go. What's the thing that you can't let go? What's the thing that keeps you looking back? Is it a lifestyle? Is it a relationship? Is it friendships? Is it old habits? Is it alcohol? Is it marijuana, CBD? What is is the thing that keeps you? Looking back, even though you've already made the declaration, you want to follow Jesus with with all of your being. But there's something in your heart that keeps you tied to things behind you. And here's what I've learned about God, y'all. Is that he is not going to bless you the way that he desires to bless you. As long as you keep looking back. The people of Israel, God declared that they were his people. He chose them. He delivers them out of Egypt by the might of his own hand. And he's taking them to the promised land. And if you read scripture, you know, read the first five books of the Bible, you will find that they have been delivered out of Egypt by God's mighty hand. And God had plans to take them to the promised land. And somewhere in between, being delivered from Egypt out of bondage and to the place where God was going to take them, God decided that he was going to allow them to die in the middle. He allowed them to wander 40 years in the wilderness in between where they had been delivered from and to where he was taking them. Listen to me, all because they kept looking back to Egypt. God is not going to bless you the way that he desires to bless you. He's not going to allow you to to, to, to handle his promises while you continue to look back at the things that he's delivered you from. You, you, You show up to church on a Sunday morning and we're telling you about all of the promises of God. And everything that he wants to do in your life. And all of the peace and, and all of the rest and all of the joy and, and all of the love that you should experience. But you're saying to yourself, Pastor, once I'm not experiencing those, those things. And I'm saying to you today, the fact that you're not experiencing those things is letting me know that you're still tied to something. You keep looking back at something that you will not let go and follow him. He allowed his people, his chosen people, to die out in between where he had delivered them from and where he was taking them because they kept looking back. Hear me, y'all. I don't want you to die before you get there. Oh, I'm not talking physically. I'm not talking. I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your want to, your desire for. I don't want you to give up on it before you get there. And what's making this process so difficult is that you just won't give up on that lifestyle that you're leaving. Yes, I want to follow you, God, but I, but 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 you know I still love Him. Yes, I want to follow you, God, and I want to live for you. But 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 you, but you know I'm just going to go back and try it one more time. What is the thing that keeps you from following? What's the thing that you can't let go? We talked last week about the woman at the well. Y'all remember that? She's proof in the pudding that leaving that thing, it's what's necessary for you to move forward. She left her pot. And then she went to go proclaim the good news of the gospel. She went to go tell people who had no idea about Jesus, all about him. Because she left that thing that had her bound. Stand to you. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.